This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10, 5, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Love of the Star. Welcome to the Love the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan of Dallas, joined as always by former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, which you can hear on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And Brian, we, we don't have a new Cowboys game since the last time we talked because they, of course, played on Thursday. They had a little bit of a mini-buy. Uh, and so what we do have, though, is a chance to look at the two teams that are most relevant to the Dallas Cowboys right now, the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. The Eagles come to town uh, to take on the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football this weekend. The 49ers, of course, already put the Cowboys away 42-10 to in Week 5. And, man, it was a brutal game for the Philadelphia Eagles. This was one where San Francisco, I think, kind of asserted themselves as, no doubt about it, the best team in the NFC and the best team in the NFL. Well, anytime you play the, the 49ers, you know you're going to get a game with some physicality involved, and especially with, uh, with their receiving core and the run after the catch. Uh, yeah, that was a big, big part of how the 49ers were able to dominate the Eagles uh, with their, you know, and, and the 49er offense is always that it's predicated on the those big plays where you throw the ball underneath, where you hand the ball off, but they have some of the best rack runners or skill players in the league. Yeah, and they and Philadelphia didn't tackle particularly well in the secondary. They've had some problems in the secondary uh, when it's come to some coverage aspects of it. But Brock Purdy, they did a a really nice job. Initially, the game wasn't as clean as it needed to be for, uh, for the 49ers, but they found ways to, uh, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan reminding his coaching staff, you know, stay with it, hang with it, you know, just be patient. And they were, and they found ways to take advantage of, of the Philadelphia Eagles defensively. And that's where, you know, teams have, we saw it the week before against Buffalo, yeah. their ability to Buffalo with, with Josh Allen, the skill players they have, 
you know, and how they were able to take advantage of the the uh, the Eagles defensively. That Philly secondary is not very good right now. No, it's not. And you know, and they'll t- also tell you too they're in a situation right now where their linebacking situation isn't very well, and that's you know Shaq Leonard will. We'll get into Shaq Leonard at another time here, but you know if you look at what the 49ers were able to do, uh, you know they they didn't run as many plays as the Eagles did, but they were super efficient with the ones that they did have. Yeah, I mean, 57 plays, 456 yards. That's eight yards per game. They go eight for 11 on third down. Uh, you know the fact that they were able to pick up, I think it was 212 yards after catch in yeah. this game. Um, you know, just again, speaks to the type of game that San Francisco likes to play. It's that, that, you know, West coast influenced, you know, spread them out type of offense. And what San Francisco did here was they established in this 42 to 19 blowout. They are the top team in the NFC Dallas. You have to wonder if as well as they've played, the gap has closed at all between them and the 49ers since they last played. I don't, I don't think the Cowboys are getting beat 42 to 10 if they go out and play the 49ers again. I think that was a unique circumstance. I don't think that was going to happen if you run that game back 10 times. I, I think that's probably the biggest blowout that the 49ers get that day. Um, but this is still a team I think that is in their head about San Francisco has their concerns about him. What this does, if you if you want to really highlight a positive coming out of this game, it's that as vulnerable as Philly has looked at times and as much as Philly has had trouble putting away teams in, in this run, this was as encouraging as, as any sign you've seen that, okay, we're definitely on Philly's level because you you could argue you outplayed oh, you Philadelphia. You should have beaten Philadelphia the first time you, around. You should yeah, have beaten yeah. them. You, you were down there inside the 10 with, yeah. you know, 30 seconds left and penalties set you back and everything that happened. But you can argue that you played a better game than them that day. You, you hope that you'll come into this game on Sunday, handle business, and be able to say, look, okay, now we definitively know we can handle these Eagles. And as bad as your 42-10 to 10 loss was, I don't know that that's worse than losing at home against San Francisco by 23 in elements that favor you. It's a dreary, dirty game. That's the type of game Philly wants to play. And San Francisco absolutely just ran right over them. Brian, the last, uh, the, the 49ers, when they score more than 17 points, which 17 isn't that much, yeah. but when they score more than 17 points, they've won 21 games in a row. They yeah. are they are impressive. They take yeah. care of business. I, I don't think we give San Francisco really enough credit for their secondary and the way that they play. Mm-hmm. You know, losing Hafunga uh, is was a big blow to them. Yeah. But the, the physicality, I, I mentioned that off the jump here, the physicality which they play with, the balance that they had in this game. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say they were uh, 29 pass plays to 28 runs, you know, right down the middle. And their ability to, you know, put up the rushing yards that they did, I, I think, is, is incredible. What's amazing is defensively, though, the Eagles on offense were 8 of 15 on third down. Yeah, and still got smashed in this game. And you usually, when you play the 49ers, you kind of feel like you're going to lose the third down battle with them. You know, they're a team that that's, that we you know, they they get pressure, they rush four. Yeah, 
They're really a good tackling linebacker crew. Uh, you know, the secondary. I mean, they've done a really nice job of of being able to play, you know, man coverage. They played a lot of zone early in the year. I'll be interested to see if Dallas gets the opportunity to play San Francisco again. You know, where the since week five, where have the metrics taken sure. San Francisco? And I, I think the thing that when you look at San Francisco and their losing streak that they suffered uh, you know, after the Dallas game, they lost three straight games after the Dallas game, and a lot of their games came down to turnovers. Yeah, you know they 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 were lost. really plagued by injuries during that. Yeah, stretch. they 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 had problems with injuries, but they turned over the ball, which is something that they normally don't do. Yep, that's something. They're one of those teams when you start to talk about turnovers, their quarterback does a great job of protecting the football. You know, you look at the the stats, the metrics, all those things. Him and Dak Prescott are very similar in how they're playing so far this uh, this season, and, and both playing at a very very high level. And I'm glad you brought that up. So that, that's what happens in this San Francisco. Francisco Philly game uh, a couple different offshoot topics from that first off uh, coming out of the game there was a, a consensus not a, not a consensus individual but there was a consensus trio uh, at the top of the NFL MVP discussion after yeah. this weekend and that is right now and, and it can change we got you know five weeks left in the NFL season but right now the uh, the the contenders for MVP the betting market favorites are Brock Purdy Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott and yeah. different books have different rankings I know uh, BetMGM had Hurts Purdy and Dak all tied at the same odds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think DraftKings had Purdy higher. I think FanDuel had Dak higher. And so there are a couple different ones. Caesar's Sportsbook has Dak a little higher than Purdy and Purdy a little higher than Hertz. Uh, but the the general consensus, I know Vegas Insider runs the top eight sports books or whatever and comes up with a consensus. And that has led to Dak Prescott being the MVP favorite. So coming out of this weekend and a, an impressive performance against the Eagles and everything else that we've seen, Brian, where do you think Dak Prescott stands right now in that MVP conversation? I, I think that I think that Vegas has it absolutely right. I, I, I look at you know, I, I when the way that Dak Prescott has played since the bye week, mm-hmm. uh, you look at the you know, the his ability to limit the amount of turnovers they had. Uh, his uh, command of the offense, the way that they've gotten C.D. Lamb involved, Brandon Cooks involved. We've seen the emergence of Jake Ferguson. That's just not by accident. Yeah, You have to have somebody that is reading defense. You have to have somebody that is making those throws, is getting the team into the right uh, play situation. Uh, you know, uh, Dak has done a great job of when things have broken down in the pocket, his ability to run, to scramble, yeah. to buy a second chance. Those are things that a MVP quarterback or an MVP player, when you start to talk about how they uh, need to manipulate the pocket or make plays or keep their team in games or find a way to go win, Dak Prescott has done all these things. Yeah. And so uh, it, when you start to mention uh, the the Brock Purdy's of the world and and uh, and start the comparison him and Hertz, uh, it is uh, it is uh, he is definitely in that conversation. Now, when we look at the specifics of, I, I think right now you and I are in agreement. San Francisco is the class of the NFC, probably the class of the NFL. But that, but for certain, if we're just limiting it to the NFC and what the Cowboys have to go through, 
that's the best team in the NFC right now, discernibly, right? San well, Francisco, it's the, it, yeah, it's the one team that you you have the most problems with. Well, and, and even taking Dallas out of the concept, just just in a vacuum, if you were just to evaluate the NFC and say which team is oh, the yeah. best, no, it's absolutely. San Francisco, absolutely. So, yeah. so it yeah. comes down to Philly and Dallas after that, and that's where there's been a little bit of disagreement right now. So, Brian, obviously Philly has had the better record throughout the season. Dallas is probably playing better football over the last six weeks or so. So this is the the discussion that we'll have, and we'll dive into the specifics of each team as we have a couple more episodes this week. But as it stands right now, who is the better football team to you, the Eagles or the Cowboys at this moment? At this moment right now, I believe it's the Cowboys. So you'd put Dal- you'd put it San Francisco, Dallas, Philly. Yeah, I believe I believe it is Dallas, the way that they're playing right now. And now Philadelphia, man, I will say this, and maybe I was quick to jump th- what your question was, but you look at their wins, and maybe Kansas City isn't what Kansas City has been in the past. Yeah. Maybe Buffalo isn't what Buffalo has been the last couple of years. But those are impressive wins. Those are very impressive wins. Yeah. They, they handled the yeah. Dolphins as well. The Dolphins had real problems. Yeah, with exactly. The, you can run down the list of some of the best victories this season, and Philly's going to be up there. Yeah. I, I, I understand why Philly is uh, winning the division currently. Yeah. There, but there are some games, absolutely, could have lost the Kansas City game, didn't do it. Could have lost the Buffalo game, didn't do it. Yep. Got smashed by San Francisco. You know, that that's understandable. They were a little bit of that stretch, too, like where Dallas with the three games, 12 days bit, I think they were in that, you know. So maybe if you talk about what in the NBA, they always talk about schedule loss. Yeah. Maybe that you know, maybe that loss against the 49ers was kind of a schedule loss when you look at what they've gone through at this point. Very easily could have been, you know, 0 and 3, uh, you know, and but they found ways to win these football games. Okay, so we have clinch scenarios for this week, Brian. I saw that. All right, and this is uh, this is gonna. There, there's a few do you, different. Where, ones. where do you where do you stand? You have Dallas over Philadelphia. Yes, yeah, I, I think Dallas is. It, it's hard because Philadelphia has had the best record in the NFC the entire way. Philadelphia has beaten the Cowboys. Yeah, you have to respect that. Philadelphia has beaten several teams with winning records. They've beaten Buffalo. They've beaten Kansas City. They've beaten Miami. Dallas has struggled against Philly and San Francisco, uh, even though I think they probably played better against Philly than than Philly. But I think right now. And that's the thing. But that's the thing, too. Right now, Philadelphia, as I mentioned, had, had beaten Kansas City. And they've beaten Buffalo. If you, if you put Philly and Dallas out on this little high school field back behind the station here where we're recording, and you put Dallas and Philly out there and made them play 10 games, I think Dallas wins six of them. Yeah. And I, I think that I, I think the Cowboys have a slight advantage right now. And it's mainly, to me, the way the quarterback is playing for right. Dallas and the, just the vulnerability with that secondary in Philly. Yeah. They, they, well, they don't tackle well. Mm-hmm. They're not covering well. This yeah. was, a, like I said, this was a game. You're talking about a rainy, dreary, muddy, messy game in Philly. That is extremely advantageous to them, and yet the 49ers were able to do what they did. I, th- I think Dallas can take advantage of those things similarly. Yeah, but you know, you got to look at and 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 I see everything you're saying. You got, but you got to look at what Brock Purdy has done. You know, to like, and I and I say this because he was at right at about 70 percent completion, but that's been the last five, six games for Brock Purdy. He's been at his seventy percent. It goes all the way back to week seven against Minnesota. So he's playing at a very, very high level. Yeah. And I'm talking about that. So taking advantage of Philadelphia, 
that's kind of how Brock Purdy's been playing. You know, he, he was going to go out there and have a really, really good game against Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, they, they, they've, they're struggling. They, they're clearly struggling in their secondary. Um, they're clearly struggling running the football. Yeah. The volume of them running the ball is there. But the results aren't, mm-hmm. and so there's a couple of things that uh, that they're going to have to deal with going forward here. These are the clinch scenarios for the Cowboys this weekend to clinch a playoff berth. Is there like six teams NFL involved? There's a bunch of teams involved, and there's a few different scenarios. Yeah. One of the scenarios involves like three ties this week, so that's not realistic. So we're just going to take the primary example. And Brian, I don't think it's the most impossible. Scenario. Is there, it it is could there, happen. Is there like a Rams loss, a Packers loss? So here's here's what a you need. Forty Niners loss. You, uh, you need Dallas to win. Okay. Obviously, I, and right now, I, I mean, I don't want to spoil our picks too early. I think I feel good about Dallas beating Philadelphia this weekend. Uh, so here's what you need. You need a Minnesota loss. These are all loss or ties, but I'm going to say loss because okay. that's not realistic. Uh, a Minnesota loss. They are on the road against the Raiders. The five and seven Raiders, who have okay. been playing better since Antonio. Pierce Quarterback got there. situations now all of a sudden in Minnesota. There yeah. were questions about the questions about Josh Dobbs, and really, should he start? Green Bay on the road against the Giants. That's the biggest unlikelihood, probably. But the Giants are talking playoffs still. Yeah. They're still out there talking about their playoff opportunities. So you need Raiders over the Vikings, Giants over the Packers. You need a Seattle loss. Seattle is on the road against the 49ers. That's okay. going to be a tough game for them. Yep. You need a Tampa Bay loss. Tampa Bay is on the road against the Falcons, who currently lead that division. Yeah. That's that's completely plausible. You need Detroit to win or tie. Detroit is on the road against the Bears. That, that seems like a game that's pretty favorable for them. And then finally, you need a Rams loss or tie. They are on the road against the Ravens. So this is that's not the most the, – the, the biggest one here is you need the Giants the to come Giants, through for yeah. you against the Packers. Otherwise, yeah. I don't think it'd be crazy to pick all – you know, I don't think you'd be crazy to pick the Raiders at home against the Vikings. Yeah. I don't think you'd be crazy to pick the Ravens and the Lions and, and these scenarios right here, the Falcons to beat the Buccaneers. So it's all within the realm of possibility. That's all that matters uh, to Cowboys fans. So that's something that you can keep an eye on, and uh, we'll continue to update you guys on that throughout the week. You are listening to the Love the Star podcast. The Love the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, we hoped we would have an update on Shaq Leonard. We knew he'd be at AT&T Stadium this weekend, this yes. upcoming weekend. We just didn't know who he'd be with. And as it turns out, it is the Philadelphia Eagles. That's the direction he decided to go. And it's interesting. We had Jerry Jones on 105 Through the Fan on Tuesday morning 
And he said they didn't even get an opportunity to get, to get into money. Yeah. That it was just, it sounds like Shaq Leonard just wanted to pick where he was most comfortable, what it was. It's that a one-year deal, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it, it didn't sound like money was an issue to him. And that's why I think Jerry said in the interview last week, he was like, I don't think money's going to be an issue here. I don't think right. money's going to be a problem. because, and, and I don't think it was, that sounds as if Jerry's saying, we'll pay whatever it takes, I think, to some fans. I think what it turned out to mean was, Jerry saying that, well, no, it doesn't matter to Shaq Leonard. Sha- right. Shaq is not concerned about money right now. He wants to go where he has opportunity. Uh, you know, I'm sure relationships are a big thing and the ability to win. Ultimately, he goes with the Philadelphia Eagles, which he's offseason training partners with Devontae Smith. He obviously has a relationship with Nick Sirianni, having, you know, been with the Colts while Sirianni was on staff there as the offensive coordinator. And the reality is, Dallas is still a longer shot to win the NFC East than Philadelphia is. Philadelphia is completely in the driver's seat. Even if Philadelphia loses this weekend to Dallas and they're tied, Dallas has a much tougher stretch down the road than Philly does. Philly's got Seattle, which could be a tough one, but then it's Giants, Cardinals, Giants to close the year. That's that's something favorable uh, favorable to the Eagles. So ultimately, he decides to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. And Brian, do you think the Cowboys are kicking themselves here? Do you think they're upset by this? Or do you think they go... Hey, it was a situation where if we got him, we'd be glad, but we weren't. We didn't feel like our season hinged on getting Shaq Leonard here in this opportunity. I feel like that both teams really wanted this player, and both teams coveted this player, and both teams were willing to put aside any medical concerns because there's several of them with this player. Sure. There's some that might have caused him not to play or be an every-down player. Missed 15 games the last two years there's, due to injury. There's disc things you're dealing with. There's nerve damage that... You know, it causes a slight drop foot uh, with the player. Uh, you know, there's a, there's things that there were a lot of people talking about that uh, you are going to have to willing to, and I'm not saying take a blind eye to, but you were going to have to, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you were going to have to sign off. And I know the one thing... Yeah, not a blind eye, quite the opposite. Eyes wide open. Yeah, you just have to go into uh, yeah, it with a well, full understanding yeah, yeah, of this is what we're getting ourselves exactly. into. Exactly. Well, but I was thinking in a way, like, turn away, don't look yeah, kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, that's really what I was trying to say there. I, I don't always say it the right way. No, no, but, you're good. But the thing about it with, with Shaq... Uh, you know, medical staffs were going to have to put that aside. And the Dallas Cowboys, in, in my experience of 14 years working with the Dallas Cowboys, with uh, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, is that they really do trust Jim Maurer and Britt Brown. on the training reason, yeah. And with, on the training staff. And if their doctors, Dr. Cooper and others say, hey, this is not going to work out. There was a player, remember a player a long time ago named Sean Rogers, yeah. defensive tackle, University of Texas. Yeah. We had, a, uh, we had an opportunity to draft him, but he had a toe problem. You know, coming out of University of Texas, he had a, we had a, and Jim Maurer had him as a fail on the board. Yeah, there was a lot of PTSD about toe injuries. Yeah. That was right at the end of the Dion era, too, It was Brian. crazy. <laughs> it was crazy what the toe, but, and, you know, we got on the clock in the second round, and Jerry goes, all right, Jim, tell me why I can't take this player again. He just wanted to remind himself, and, you know, Sean Rogers ended up having a pretty decent career. Yeah, he was a good player. You know, and so it's the same thing with us in Green Bay with Larry Allen. 
doctors say, oh, well, he has a, a rotator cuff problem. He's, you know, we probably were going to fail him on this physical. And then every time we played the Cowboys, Ron Wolf, the general manager, would go remind the doctors, see that number is 73? He is going to kill us today. He is the guy we failed. <laughs> so, but these doctors, these trainers, they carry big sticks. Yeah. And they were willing to sign off on this one and in, in, in to try and get a player. So there was a, there was a commitment to doing this. I don't think the Cowboys have anything to be ashamed of or embarrassed by or people pointing the finger at Jerry Jones that they didn't get it done. Now, people might point the finger and say, well, if you wanted the player, why didn't you just put a claim in? They weren't going to claim that contract. No. They just weren't going to claim it. Nobody was. The rest of the league passed on it, too. Yeah, nobody was going to claim the contract. And if you want to blame the Cowboys for something, if how bad they wanted the player, uh, then, you know, claiming would have been an opportunity. But that contract made it prohibitive for them to do that. Yeah, and look, I think that... The reality is when he came in to the facility, uh, I think if you talk to people around the Cowboys, they were like, okay, it, it's not a mystery to us why he's no longer in Indianapolis. Like, I think that it's... Do you it's, think there maybe it's like when they worked him out, it was, a, it was maybe I, a I, poor workout? I, I, think, I think they felt like there was that, that he was more limited in his movement ability than than it appeared on tape than what they'd seen on tape. Yeah. I think that that was just a, and I think they were still willing to go that direction. Right. I think they wanted him, but I also think they thought, all right, this guy is not, there's, there's a cap on what he can do for us in all likelihood. Right. And you know, it's, it's not like we're going to just take this guy and he's going to be out there for a hundred percent of the snaps. Like, I think they felt like, okay, there, there was some limitations here with the, the movement ability and that he was, you know, reduced in that way. Um, but I, I mean, I think that, they absolutely would have liked to have him here. Now, the, the question becomes, and this is something that we asked Jerry on uh, Tuesday, is that what now? Do you just say we're rolling with Rashawn Evans, we're rolling with Marquise Bell? I know you and I have talked about the idea of maybe you go look at somebody like Anthony Barr off yeah. the Vikings practice squad. Who I'd would, heard that name. I know you had as which well. That, that, and that's something that a lot of people have, you know, when they hear – Anthony Barr. I know some people they said, well, I saw him. Mouth, yeah. Well, well, they're yeah. like, I just saw him. He was playing mm-hmm. for the Vikings. How can we take it? So he is still on their practice squad. Right. He's not been signed to the active roster. He's got two elevations. I think one more, and yeah. he has to be signed. Um, but because he is a practice squad player, if the Cowboys wanted poaching. to sign him yeah. and he wanted to be here with the Cowboys, then he could do that. Now, obviously, Anthony Barr would have to want that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he may think that I am comfortable back here in Minnesota again. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to go back. That could all be something. And if it's not that, you could just be scanning the waiver wire. You could find guys that maybe, okay, this is somebody sitting on a practice squad. We had, That's a linebacker we had a draftable grade on maybe. Let's right. uh, let's go pursue somebody like that. So that's where things stand now. Brian, would you rather at this point, knowing what you saw from Anthony Barr last year, and I have not watched tape of him play yet on, this year. Play on. Would you just ra- you'd rather yeah, roll with the guys you on. have? Just play on, yeah. What did you see from Barr last year that was off-putting? I didn't like the fact to me that it seemed like that – there were times where he doesn't have that quickness that he once had. He's always been a big guy, ability to rush the passer and all that. Yeah. But I felt like the, he was a little bit of a step slow. I He's felt, been in the league a decade now. Yeah, and I didn't feel like he particularly read the scheme or blocks that well. For a veteran player, there were times where he was almost like he was guessing or he got caught out of position. Yeah. And I don't think he did anything that particularly helped Damone Clark in his game. You know, maybe Clark was trying to kind of find his way last year. And I was thinking of Barr being a veteran player. When he was asked to do things in specifically in the scheme. You expected more from I him. expected a lot more. Maybe I expected the guy that played five, six years ago. 
But, but, I, but I mean, some of that stuff you're talking about there—that's not even the, the guy five. That, that's yeah. some stuff that hey, you should be able to help Demon Clark right. line up correctly. You right. should be able to, to like read the scheme, do read, what Van yeah, Der Esch yeah, did for yeah, him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. And yeah. I, I think that that's reasonable. Now, let's take a look real quick at what the Cowboys do have at linebacker. Like we've already said, they've got Clark there, who has uh, played consistently this season. He has become their primary linebacker uh, with the injury to Leighton Van Der Esch and the uh, you know the Micah Parsons pass rushing angle. They've turned Marquise Bell into a hybrid linebacker. See, that's why I wanted Leonard because I felt like I could put Leonard at linebacker and do other things to even help the defense more with Bell. Yeah, and, and Bell, I don't Bell's very flexible. I don't feel like the safety group is playing particularly well, and I know I took a lot of a lot of uh, you know a lot of you know what for that you know my thought about that. But that's fair with, with Hooker and those guys. But I kind of felt like that maybe even Bell. There's other things that you could do with him. Potentially, whether it's tight end coverage, spy coverage. Oh, they they yeah. viewed they viewed him when he got here. They viewed him as a a curse starter kid, right? And right. So, and, and curse is asked to do a lot more than just line up as linebacker. So yeah, that, that's I, I, absolutely I, the case. I just don't feel like that uh, that that they're getting absolutely the. You know, we saw Wilson the other day in the Seattle game. What was he looking at on the, you know, on the the, the mad? He was thrown off by something, and he was playing I mean, shallow. Yeah, that, to me, see, those are the kinds of things that you got to be you got to be very mindful. Evan of. Evans is the other one. What have you seen to this point from Rashawn Evans? What, are, I, what enough is your not to enough not to say I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, he I, hasn't I, been a black hole. I, I mean, look, I like I, I so I, I'm curious. Because I don't recall, I, I don't think I, I had seen this. How did he get one on one, forty yards down the field with Tyler Lockett in the last game? That's uh, was that, that was that matchup from too deep. Seattle. Yeah. Seattle just had, yeah, had rigged some, it. You know, we play that. Sometimes you you get that. They remember the old Tampa two look where the yeah. Mike Backer carries the in, the first inside guy. And they and they hit it on that. So he did the best he could. That that that's a hard. That's not fair to ask of anyone. No, that, that's a, that's a that's a hard coverage to have to deal with. I mean, we've seen guys do it. I've seen Leighton Vanderesh and others carry, you know, carry, uh, you know, guys down. I mean, Derek Brooks and those guys back in the day with Tampa. Those are the guys that could really, you know, carry. But uh, but Evans got caught in a very very bad situation. If, if I were to to just on a scale of one to ten, we'll we'll go through these three linebackers. I'm just curious your your confidence level in them marquis bell scale of one to ten what's your confidence level i think i think he's an eight for sure very good rashawn evans i think he's probably and i said it i don't Just know a five because you don't know I, I think it's more like somewhere between a three and a five i admit four would be but closer to probably three and then the guy that i i think a lot of people don't have a good beat on right now because they feel like oh i see him make plays and then other times he looks lost damone clark where I, I think i think clark is your five because you're very you're at, you're very much right about some days you see I, I maybe I maybe because he's an LSU kid I thought so much more of him I thought last year I do think that he's trying to learn and I think he misses Vanderesh I think yeah. Vanderesh helped him Vanderesh could cover up for things if there was a mistake for Clark yeah. So well, I mean, I, Clark has the athleticism. He's, he's one of the fast, he's one of the faster players on the team. Yeah. He's not he did, he's not a a contact averse guy, but no. yeah, he's he's definitely it's not even the stuff of lining up in the right spot. I mean, that's part of it, but right. then also it's just the read and react. Like there right. there are times where he just doesn't see it right. No. And and uh, is that something that you think is just it's his nature. He doesn't see things well, or do you think that's a function of he's a young player and eventually you you believe that will come around? 
I want to believe it's a young player and he'll come around. That That's my story, and I'll stick with it. <laughs> that's not bad. All right, so that's the Cowboys linebacker situation right there. They lose out on Shaq Leonard. Uh, we'll see if they pursue a player like Anthony Barr or uh, how they choose to rectify things. It may just be to run things back with their current linebacker group. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast, the Love of the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag, which there were lots of questions, of course, about Shaq Leonard in there this week. Uh, so we're going to hit on a couple different things since uh, we, we kind of knocked all that out. Uh, first question here from Colin. He wants to know, why isn't Dowdle getting more of the short yardage carries? Do you have a plan for that? Do you have an idea on that? I don't think that Pollard's issue has been physicality and short. Like, I, I don't think... Pollard struggled with tough yards. Like I, no. think, I think Pollard's running pretty physically, and so I think he's trying. And you know, and I think the juice is what they miss. And honestly, that's the funny thing is that I think everybody views it as, oh, Dowdle's the more physical runner, Pollard's the speed guy. What I've seen this year is that Pollard has more physicality the way he's running, yeah. and Dowdle's got more juice and better contact. Well, I tell, tell you what, the fourth and one call was a great block on the outside. I know people are crushing uh, Michael Gallup right now. Yeah. But but you look at the block that, that he got on the edge on that fourth and one, and it went to the left side on the outside, and they gained about 14 yards on the play. You know, I don't know, handing the ball to Dowdle, that, you know, that's it's got a possibility, sure. But the thing that the thing that we're starting to see more from, uh, you know, that they're running the ball better on the edge and on the perimeter than they are running the ball inside. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, if you're going to run the ball inside on short yardage, just have Dak sneak it, you know? Touch push. Yeah, just just have Dak sneak it and then find a way to uh, – nothing against Dowdle, but I, I think I think things are starting to kind of turn around a little bit for Pollard. Yeah. You know, running the football. I think he's got – I think he's he, – he looks like that he's not wearing down. It looks like that he's got a little bit more, as you said, juice to his game. Yeah, and That I, fourth and one carry was – Again, that was that was to get the ball to the edge as quickly as he did and to get the block from Gallup to get him around the corner, I think was And I don't know where it comes from. The idea that he's just some like they treat him like he like nah. fans talk about him sometimes like he's Darren Sproles. If he's not a small bat. If you stood next to him in a and just hanging out with him, you would not think he's a small guy. You would never think of him as as a little guy who couldn't run between the tackles. He's he's not Zeke. He's not yeah. built like Zeke. Right. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't have the ability to get inside. Uh, next question here from Jeff. Uh, with Tyron Smith finding the fountain of youth, do you see the possibility of him being back at left tackle next year? He's played well. He has played well. There was a one lot of very, incentive. One very good in this last one, though. He was, he was not. There was a lot of struggles for the offensive yeah. line in yeah. this last one. But he's, he's played well. And, I mean, the Philly game – weeks back he was really really great in yeah. and, and he's he's played well for the most part this year better than I was anticipating I Much. thought I thought what we saw last year was concerning when he was out the there. plan they have for him right now with the way he doesn't practice and the way he plays in the game and he's done a great job he, he gave up more pressures than he had since I think it was 2020 so yeah. he it was it was not the the cleanest game for Tyron Smith last week on the on the pressure. Do you think do you think he's back next year? Would you entertain that possibility or do you think hey, let's just get the most we can out of here and let's figure out things moving forward? I think there I think that I would say that they're probably going to figure things out, but I I also believe and I hate this cuz I don't want to ride the fence, but I do believe that that I I believe that that he could come back. Now will he come back in the same situation? You know where he's playing game to game, 
check-to-check kind of a thing. I, I don't know about that. But to me, it seems like the Cowboys are very committed to playing with Tyler Smith at left guard. Now, maybe this is where all of a sudden you see Awesome Richards or maybe a uh, younger Matt Willetsko. Maybe somebody else is in the pipeline that uh, they would like to play out there. Next question here from Eric. Any explanation on the elevation of Fant last week? He's talking about Princeton Fant, the uh, the tight end. That's interesting. So Peyton Hattershot is still had still not been ready to come off injured reserve. Well, he's he's healthy. They just they have they to haven't taken him off yet. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is though he they have to find a roster spot for him. Yeah. Fant was a straight elevation. Which doesn't the, sacrifice. Doesn't anything. sacrifice a player. The Cowboys do not, and I believe we're in the final week of this, the twenty-one day window for. Yeah. Uh, for Hendershot. Before he has to stay on injured reserve right. the rest of the they, year. They do not, they do not, at the current spot, or the current situation, have a spot for Hendershot to come back on. This is a very healthy team. I think they've lost some confidence in Hendershot, too, yeah. from from where they, they were at last well, year. I, I've lost some confidence. I've lost confidence in uh, McEwen. You know, so if uh, we'll, we'll, we'll trade that out. So, but here's the interesting thing about fans, because I'll point this out. Fan did not have any sort of crazy training camp while we were out there or whatever. In fact, it was funny is that I noticed, and I think you were out there with me while we were in training camp. Dak was riding him hard oh, on a few different every time, practices. Yeah. Just like, hey, yeah. fan, come on. You need to do this. You need to, come on, fan, keep your head in the gate, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What I think is interesting, though, is that when people hear that, they go, well, I mean, if he didn't stand out and, yeah. and Dak's riding him like that was, it's a little bit like the, uh, you, you, you don't, uh, you, you know, you, you discipline because you care, right? right? Like, right. it's because you love. They see something in Princeton fans, yeah. I think, and I, I think that's why Dak was just all on top of him, that those couple practices, because he felt like, hey, there's something here yeah. that, that we can take advantage of, and I want to make sure that we're getting the most out of him. Right. I, I think that that's the expectation there. Uh, next question here from Kurt. How has Tyler Biotish been doing in the middle for us? This has been a, a bit better. of this has a been a bit better. of a regression yeah. year overall. Overall, but I think the last couple weeks he's he's fought, and you know what he's he's really done is he has taken the role of the enforcer yeah. on that offensive line. If there's a fight, if there's somebody going after a quarterback or there's something like that happening, the guy that's going to be in the middle of that is going to be Tyler Biotis. That is their, that's their bully in the middle who takes care of all the post-snap skirmishes. I feel like that since the Giants game in week 10, that that Tyler Biotis has played better. The Giants game, Panthers game, Commanders, that was not an easy game to have to deal with inside pressure there at the Commanders game. Yeah. He had one misstep where it was a wide three technique and he had to reach and you're dealing with pain and, and it just, you know, that guy, you know, you get a tackle for loss. But if you look at what's gone on since, since that Giants, since that Philadelphia game with I felt like that they weren't very good up front. Yeah. He's played really, really well the last four games. Uh, and, yeah, and I think that, again, that's one of the big things that I know Dak appreciates is that's the that, that's the guy in the center on that offensive line yeah. who is going to get in the middle of things. He, If Dak were to get hit late, the guy who's going to come in and fight somebody is going to be Biotis. Right. That, that is his role, and he embraces it. And uh, I, I think he is a true leader for them on the offensive line. Uh, last question here from De La Cruz. Uh, we've, we've always talked about Dak's ability to see the field. And at times yeah. we, we, we have questions about the, the, you know, the squatting linebacker or whatever right. else and how he just – sometimes that vision tightens up on him and he just 
just doesn't doesn't see people on the periphery there. He says, how would you evaluate Dak's ability to see the field? Has he improved as a passer facing zone, or has McCarthy made the offense friendlier for him? I think he's done a much better job of seeing the field. There's some throws that he made uh, in these last several games since the San Francisco game where it, those were throws that had been intercepted. Yeah. You know, there's more confidence in, okay, I'm going to fit it here. There's better routes from the receivers. They're doing a better job of finishing for him. I think Brandon Cook's addition has been great. Uh, the emergence of, of Jake Ferguson, I think, has really helped him in a lot of those tough throws. But Dak is, I think Dak is seeing the field better. When he gets in trouble is when he doesn't see people. Yeah. When he when he reads wrong and all of a sudden there's a linebacker or there's a tunnel vision. Yeah. Or there's a slot that's playing as a safety that he thinks is going to drop in another area, then comes back inside. That's where Dak has some problems where he where he doesn't realize, oh wow, they're gonna drop into that. And he thinks Who burned him with that. Was that Philly or Carolina? Somebody burned him where a guy said or no, it was the Giants. It was uh Cordell Flott. Cordell Flott, was, yeah. He he thought he was carrying him yeah, and then and, he bailed and, and he bailed. Just picked yeah, it off. Picked it yeah. off right there, yeah. Yeah, and so that that's what gets him occasionally. I'll say it's funny, we we asked Jerry, hey, what what's the reason for the drop in the interceptions and the turnover worthy throws, do you think? And uh Jerry was saying, you know, that well, you know, he's 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 not taking his many risks he's not yeah. putting the ball in danger and it's like i would disagree with that i i think i think, that, I, think the, yeah. I think he's taking some I very think, yeah. confident throws that absolutely that in years past i don't know that it gets there all the time he is yeah. typically brian i feel like this is around the age this is what you were hoping for and mm-hmm. this is what's happened this is around the age it feels like for a lot of quarterbacks where the game starts to slow down right and and that they reach a level of you know just football consciousness that right. it's like hey your iq and your physical abilities are intersecting at just the right time to make you the best possible quarterback i think that's why you see a lot of times quarterbacks play their best ball 30 to 35 instead right. of, you know, where running backs play their best at 25, receivers maybe late 20s or whatever it is. I, I think that's definitely what you're seeing here. That does it for us here today on the Love of the Star podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll have a couple more episodes for you this week. We'll review the Philadelphia offense and defense. Uh, this is a game that will will have a lot of juice behind it. This is a big test for the Cowboys to finally silence uh, a lot of the questions that people have about them against uh, tougher competition and an opportunity for Dak Prescott in reality probably to, to potentially take hold of the MVP race in this game on Sunday Night Football. For Brian Broaddus, I'm Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys again later.